Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Hey, I just want to say this morning, I, this, this is before we get to the message, but uh, that was awesome. I don't know if Audrey's back in the room yet, but just so thrilled about the baptism, love that. Uh, th- this morning I was reading a devotional by a friend of mine who's at Bethel Church out in, in Redding, California, and it's called, uh, his name's Steve Backlund, and, and the little, thin little devotional is called A Victorious Mindset. And this uh, particular devotion was on a verse from uh, uh, Proverbs, let's say Philippians, close, you biblical scholars out there, starts with a P, how's that? Um, But but it's from Proverbs 15 something, and it's a cheerful heart is good medicine. And he talks about, even the thing, he says, Dr. God wants to give you a prescription of a cheerful heart because it's good for you. And so what I want us to do is... Just everybody, we're going to, it actually helps us to practice this from time to time. Jesse, you're with me, I can tell right now. Yes, so let's, let's do this. Let's all smile <laughs> because a cheerful heart really is good for us. It's, it's good for me. Dr. God really does want you growing in the grace of having a cheerful heart. And so anybody need that today? So just let's walk in it. Here we go. And don't, if, uh, green light on practicing that toward me as I preach. Okay, so open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. This is the tail end of this real famous part of uh, Acts where, you know, just we fell in love with this years ago. We started dreaming about why couldn't we see church life like we read about in the book of Acts. And uh, I mean, there's all this great stuff. They were devoted to the apostles teaching, breaking bread, prayer all these different things. They were blown away because incredible stuff was happening in their midst. There was a sense of awe at what was happening. And then the practicals of this, the where it happened is down in 46 and 47. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So we've got a new vision. We're going to come here every single day. No, we're not going to do that. We're Americans. We can't do that. That's not going to work. But that's part of what's going on there. They met every single day in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so the part I'm trying to emphasize, today is Life Group Sunday. We're talking about church in the house. It's an important part. So let's look at one more key verse for us. Turn two pages over to Acts chapter 5, if you've got your Bibles. Scroll up if you've got your electronic screens. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And that's what we talked about last week. But this week, we want to hit on this important piece of the church meeting in the house. And it's... uh, you know, it's just a, a huge thing. Maybe the best way to jump into this is tell a bit of our story. There's, some of us have been in this story for a long, long time. But if you go way, 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 run the time clock back to 1992, 91, 92, somewhere along in there. And, uh, you know, we had, this, we had this dream of seeing the church be the church. But at the time, I was preaching in a traditional kind of situation. So I'm 27, 28 years old, and I'm preaching three times a week. So if you can imagine what I'm doing now, but I'm doing it three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
and Wednesday night. And I'm preaching, preaching, feeding, feeding, and everybody's... <laughs> everybody's just feeding, getting spiritually, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and I, can I just say that a 28, 27-year-old, whatever I was, doesn't have enough in him for preaching three different times in one week. It's hard as a year old. Uh, it's hard enough. It's hard enough doing it once and it being life-giving and exciting. Imagine doing it three times a week. And you know what, what was missing was the life change that comes from taking the word and actually trying to live it out in community together. So it's it's this huge thing. You, there's there's kind of this knowledge, we just keep getting more and more and more, or we mix what we're learning with actually living it out in the context of community. So I read this book by a guy named Ralph Neighbors, about that time, 92, and uh, it's called uh, Where Do We Go From Here? A guidebook for the cell group church. And so he lays out this vision, this mind-blowing vision of house to house and temple courts, the celebration thing. There's so much life here on Sundays, but it's mixed with this other key component of the house. And I read about 200 pages in this book, you know, and I'm getting excited. I'm dreaming. I'm going, wow, this would be incredible. And I finally closed it. was about 400 pages. I closed it at page 200 because I said, this is too much. This is another, this is another thing. This is a paradigm shift. This is another way of thinking and conceiving of what church could be like altogether. And, uh, you know, and, and the way I like to say it was, I realized I'm not talking about a change from a red delicious to a granny white apple, but it's a change from a red delicious to like a, a fish. It's another, it's another thing altogether, you know, and that's what was, that's what we were starting to see. And we dreamed about church like we read here about in the book of Acts. We said, why can't we do this? And then we started realizing part of what we needed to experience that was going to be getting together face to face, life on life, allowing the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus being at the center of all we were doing. People using their spiritual gifts to build one another up. All that stuff, we needed a context for that. And so Kim and I, we were troubled by what we were seeing and getting excited about it at the same time. And we went away to pray and fast for three days at Sky Ranch out in East Texas, I think it was. We had jugs of water. And those were, I can say, some of the most memorably painful days of my existence on planet Earth. It was miserable. It was yucky. It was, I'm not being a good advocate right now for prayer and fasting, but it was just, it was yucky. It just, there was no flow in it. We were praying. We were asking God. We were miserable. We were hungry. You know, I don't think we'd done like that, like that at that time. And just went out there. And after three days, we came back and, and God, we didn't hear anything. But we, once we got back, God spoke to us and he gave us a vision of what church could look like just with the scriptures and some of the stuff we were reading about cell church and all of that. And so, you know, we ended up, uh, you know, launching out to plant Christ Fellowship then in, in early 1993. And we started Christ Fellowship as a cell church, as a cell group church. We call them life groups now, but just a cell church, just this idea that, you know, there's, there's life in the church and there's life in us. And I, I want people to know about Jesus. I'm going to share Jesus with people. And so his life multiplies in me and in our groups. This vision of groups in the house that have the life of Jesus in them, that group multiplying. And even the church, the life of Jesus in us, 
This church has multiplied many, many, many times down through the years. And so the way a, a good friend of mine helped me kind of put the definition together uh, years ago, his name's Joel Comiskey, and uh, he says cell groups are 3 to 15 people who meet weekly outside the church building for the purpose of evangelism, community, and spiritual growth with the goal of making disciples who make disciples and are being changed into the image of Christ, which results in multiplication. I mean, if you do that stuff, if you meet like that, and you experience that kind of life together, people are going to be drawn to that kind of life, and multiplication is going to happen. Life change is going to happen. Disciples are going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Growth is going to happen. Living things really do multiply. The way we set it on the broader uh, perspective for the church is that life we want to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church for the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. Okay, so I literally wrote in my notes, this is from uh, th that phrase, L-G-M-R-C-M-C, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church for the glory of God and joy of all peoples. We want to do that. We were, we're, that's what we were about then. That's what we're about now. It hasn't changed. We've grown. We've, we've changed. But that vision hasn't. The house has remained huge for us it's not a program, okay? Our life groups aren't a program, and they're not a ministry among other ministries. This is like the, the, one of the wings of the bird. You know, if you can think about the temple court being one wing of the bird over here. Somebody said to do this, and so I got off on the, what's that chicken song this morning? It's up first service. And I'm not going to do that, but I sort of did it already by referring to it. But so I'm going to go back to this. And so one word, the wing of the bird is like the temple court and the other wing of the bird is like life groups the house to house peace you know and and you you've got to have both to really fly well and to grow spiritually and to be deep and you know I have people come to me and they say there's such life here and we're quick to point people back and say hey there's life here because people know each other they're in each other's lives they're trying to live this thing out at the basic Christian community level which is church in the house Okay, that's what we're doing. That's who we are. That's what we're about. And I, I've also had people say, you know, uh, uh, people in the city say, your people at Christ Fellowship are so, there's a maturity about them. Well, there's a, there's a few reasons for that. I just want to throw out a few. And, and, and even as I'm saying that, I, I'm, I'm realizing too, when I run into people who have been here and have been gone for a while, I've had so many people come back and say, that was the time at Christ Fellowship that was the time that I grew the most spiritually in all of my life. And I, I want to be clear about this. There's a reason for that. And part of the reason is we are trying to be disciples of Jesus Christ who are being conformed into the image of Christ. That's our goal. We're not a holding tank. God came up with this plan for church. He needs a holding tank for Christians until they get to heaven. Like he's actually trying to do something with us where we're shaped into the image of Christ and we're on a journey. So that, that piece is huge. But the other piece that's really huge is getting us into face-to-face -face situations in small groups, in the house groups, in the life groups, so that we can actually work out, whether it's Sunday morning or something else, where we can work out the truth that we're hearing, the Word of God that's coming to us, the, the, the Scripture that needs to be applied in our lives, where we say, what's the state of your life? How are you doing? How are you doing with this thing? How's it going? It's just some version of that question that gets worked out as we get together life on life in our life groups. So 
Uh, really, really big deal. And I, I, I will just say, as much as I'm into uh, doing what I do on Sunday, I love to get to preach. Kim and I were driving this morning. How many years? You know, over two decades, we've driven up here, do, 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 you know, on Sundays and thanking the Lord. Lord, thank you that we get to do what we get to do. And, uh, but in as much as I get into doing this, I have to be honest about how much life change this can bring into somebody's life if they're not working it out with other people and saying, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And there's just something beautiful about, uh, you know, you get out of stuck places by actually sitting down face to face with people, you know, and somebody comes to a life group and, you know, the first few weeks, you know, it's my mom did this, you know, when I was little. And then the next month, they're still my mom did this when I was little. And then three months later, they're still my mom did this when I was little. And the great thing about life group is somebody can come and go, hey, you know, I just noticed that and God wants to set you free. He wants you to be able to forgive your mom of what you, she did when you were little or what I'm just picking a random thing. You guys with me on this tracking? OK, so uh, it's just it's awesome for life change. That's what I'm saying. So today we're connecting this series, the, the good life that we've been working on to the idea that the good life, God's best life for us is only going to be experienced when we're living life in community with other people. That's the that's, you know, main thing is this. Let me say it in a soundbite. Here we go. Living life connected to God's purposes in and through the church is a key to experiencing God's very best for our lives. It's not the only key, but it is a major key for God's plan for working things out in our lives and helping us to grow up and to be like Jesus. So let me unpack that in a couple of ways. I want to talk about, first of all, church in the big picture. Church in the gigantic picture. So I, you know, a lot of you guys know one of the life messages that God's given me and even a way of explaining the Bible is to talk about Christ the church and the glory of God. Christ, the church, and the glory of God. And, and the thing is on the church, depending on where you're coming from, what your background is, ways you've been hurt, different things that might have happened. And can I say, if you've been in church very long, you will have been hurt. Okay, it's people. It's just people. I love what Jim Reynolds stood up here about a month and a half ago, and he had somebody said to him, I've been hurt by the church. And he said, I've been hurt more. No, I've really been hurt by the church. No, I've really been hurt more. I've been doing this pastoring role for a long time. The, but the difference is I'm letting God heal me and you're letting it stay an open wound. So God wants to heal us. And it's in the context of community that He does that. And it's in the context of community that He shapes us and helps us to see. Th so, so in the big picture, here we go. God had a plan to bring us into His loving community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That was His, His destiny for us before the creation. But then He creates us and we sin. So He comes to Abram and says, I've got a plan. It's going to change the world. And through your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Then Jesus comes and He's the Savior. He's the Lord. And through Him, all nations are blessed. And, and uh, so the, the, the key for us is having a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely critical. So Jesus reveals God. He shows us what God's like. He shows us what salvation looks like. He, you know, to, to see Him 
to know what he's done for us, to know what he's doing, to know what he will do. I mean, those are just life-giving pieces of a revelation. When I say revelation, I mean, God has to show you something about himself. He has to show you what he's like. Whatever you really, really know about Jesus, it's not because you figured it out. You know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing is by the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Hearing by the rhema of Christos. So it's, the, it's when Jesus speaks. You ever, it's like you read a Bible verse 50 times, and then on 51, oh, light shines, and you're like, whoa, I've never seen that verse. Hey, Ben, have you heard about this? You, you heard about this? Jesus loves us, or you know, whatever the thing is, but you got it. God spoke, your life's changed. Something rocked your world. It's a revelation. And so we need to see Jesus. And I just can't overstate this. That's why I preach him every single Sunday. Pretty much, wouldn't you say? Pretty much. You know? So I'm going to preach him every single Sunday because he's the way, the truth, the life, the alpha, the omega, the bread of life, the living water, on and on. And when you get pressed and when pressure comes, you're going to find out, eh, What's inside? That was awkward. But, but when we get squeezed, we want the life-giving Jesus to come out because we've seen something of who He is, how He's touched us, shaped us, forgiven us, changed our lives. We have a vision of what He's done for us, what He's doing right now, that He's alive. He hasn't changed. He's the same living Jesus, alive, speaking, healing, delivering, bringing hope, all that kind of stuff. And what He's going to do you know that he's put us on this path where we're looking forward to the way things are going to be. We talked about this last week. And it's going to be awesome. And he's going to come again. And he's going to bring us into the fullness of all that he has for us and allow us to reign with him. New heavens, new earth. It's going to be awesome. But the, the next piece I want to hit on this is the church. Because, you know, you can go crazy talking about Ephesians 3.8, it's been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. But that passage doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, but has now been revealed in the church, the eternal purpose of God. Okay, wow. So I just want to say the church, I mean, we need this big vision of the church because the church is how Jesus gets worked out in our lives and in the world. So you need, you need to stand back and just go, whoa, whoa, Grand Tetons, you know, intergalactic vision of what God's doing, Christ, the church, the glory of God. That's, it's gigantic. It's global. It's grand. It's grandiose. It's a lot bigger than the adjectives that I can, I'm trying to throw at it. But it's big. And it's like we're like a, a greenhouse or something where little plants that have the seed of God's life start growing up in the, in the hothouse of church life. You know, and it's good. It's like we're like a caravan of people on a, on a journey, you know? And, and we're, like a, we're like a wagon train, you know? There's, there's uh, old Slim, he's, the, he's cooking the baked beans, you know? And everybody's got a roll on the, everybody's got something to do. You know, but we're going somewhere and we're not where we were last year. And so we're on a journey. We're becoming more conformed to the image of Christ. And you can look back behind you and see, wow, we're not where we were. 
You know, sometimes it's, it's shocking. It's like looking at other people's kids. You know, like, whoa, you're a foot taller. Well, hey, it's been five years. Measuring time by other people's kids, one of the craziest things in the world, right? Like, I remember you, but what, what happened? Oh, five years, ten years. <laughs> you got a deep voice, hair on your chest, whatever. So, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I am just wanting to stand up and be a witness to the greatness of the church here. And I'm pointing you to Jesus and His plan for revealing what He's like in the church. And if you want Him, you've got to know that this, not just Christ Fellowship, but the church is the place where you get Him. It's where you grow in Him. It's where He shapes you. So let's throw some of these, these uh, points up here. The church is the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 1, 23 says, He's head over all things for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who is filling all and in all. So how much of Jesus do you want? All, maximum, as much as I can get. Then I want to be connected to what He's doing through the church because the church is the fullness of Christ. The church is the administration of Christ. It's like, the church, it's like the, the word there is uh, oikonomia. It's, it's where we get the word economy. It's like God's economy for getting Christ and all those riches out to the world. It happens through the church. And we can be hoarding dictators of third world countries with all the riches that God's given us in Christ. Or we can be blessing, releasing, knowing that the nonstop Niagara of His riches will never ever stop. And we can constantly release those to the nations of the earth. Okay, so... The eternal purpose of God, you know, the church is the eternal purpose of God. Like, how many of you guys want your lives to really count for something? Now, imagine getting to be like 80 years old. You know, well, what'd you do? Well, I just always tried to connect my life to the church because I, I knew that was the eternal purpose of God. Like, that's, a, that's not a bad way to live. And, you know, this isn't the only way to do it. But we're casting vision today for the way we do do it. You know, and we bless everybody else that's doing it in all different kinds of ways. But if I, if I thought I was supposed to be doing it in some other kind of way, I wouldn't be here. You know, I, I love getting to do this. So uh, the church is the bride of Christ. All that intimacy, intimacy stuff, the love. You know, uh, Emily and Aaron were in the first service and, and, uh, and I realized I was preaching her wedding, you know, uh, along with Jimmy, a uh, uh, about a little over a year ago. And I was looking at her and I was realizing marriage, you know, it, marriage is such a beautiful picture. When it's happening, it's flowing, it's right. You know, we're in 30th year right now of, of marriage. And, but it's like it takes, it takes a lifetime of living life together and being in love and, and picturing this thing and understanding this thing in order to understand, just to begin to understand the tip of the iceberg, scraping the edge of what God's love is like for us. And there's no way I can go, you know, to a newly about to be married people or, you know, I can't say, hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. It's going to get better and better. You know, I can say that because of this, your picture in this thing, but to explain what 30 years of love is like, you know, you need it over time to be able to understand His incredible love for us. So He is, He loves us. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. We are the neck down. The church of, of Jesus. The church is the building of God. It's where we withstand the attacks of the enemy. There's like strength here. There's, there's, 
There's, it's part of God's plan. It's His plan A. There's not a plan B. It's the army of God. The one new man. The pillar and foundation of truth. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to preach. Somebody tell me if I am. Um, so, so, we've got to have a revelation of Jesus. And we need a revelation of how Jesus gets worked out in us together. And it's this together thing that is the glory part. Because you see, one day is coming when everything's going to be as it should be. That's coming. You know, the, 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 the glory of God is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's Habakkuk 2.14. And so we're moving toward this time when everything's going to be right. But here's what I want you to see. Christ in you, and it's not you the individual, the way Colossians 1.27 says that. Christ in yous, you guys, y'all, plural, plural, us, together. Christ in yous is the hope of glory and the hope of things being the way they ought to be. And there's trials along the way. There's hard things. There's joys. There's high fives. There's chest bumps in the spirit. You know. She's going. <laughs> but that's the journey. I'm just I'm trying to paint this big picture. So the church in the big picture is this glorious, glorious, beautiful bride awesome it's not just the end that god's going for it's the means by which we get there so let's bring it down to the ground now because this is, we've got to live this thing out so you got the church in the big picture and then you got church in everyday life church on the ground church in everyday life and the big vision helps it motivates me it's part of the value system that i live in and it's part of the vision that i want to live out but life groups then are are the ground that we work this thing out in. It's, it's, the, it's the face-to-face, it's the turning toward one another. It's being like God in that Trinitarian way where we turn toward one another, where we, we mix our lives together, where we mix a oneness in our lives without losing who we are. And so there's that oneness here at the church, big church level, but also at the house level. And I want to touch, uh, just base on that, just for a couple of seconds here, that it's like a wineskin. And a wineskin, we don't, I don't think we use these a lot, but a wineskin, you use a new bladder or whatever, and you put the wine in it, and it expands because there's life flowing in that thing. And, and so that's, what we, that's the way we conceive of our life groups. They're like wineskins, they're containers, they're a context for the life of God flowing and expanding in our midst. Does that make sense as an illustration? So we want to see that Acts 2, 42 to 47 stuff happen. And where it really takes shape is in the context of a house. We come together, and whether we're worshiping, whether we're eating food, whether we're praying for each other, talking about the Word, we want to do that in the context of Jesus being right there in our midst. So we're doing it together with Jesus. Christ in the middle. Christ in the center. And expecting that. So let me say a couple things real quick about why life groups are so important for us as a church. Life groups are so important. Number one, number one, because uh, for the one another's. So 59 times in the New Testament, God talks to us about doing the one another's. So the one another's like love one another, care for one another, carry each other's, carry one another's burdens, uh, 
pray for one another, forgive one another. You know, how do you do that if all we ever do is come together when there's this big group, whatever it is, 400 people or something, and if we don't get it down to a, a context that's more manageable? So it's huge that whether it's youth or college, you know, young adults, older guys, the, the more mature, whatever, you know, we need that kind of space to love, encourage, forgive, and it means being together enough so that we can do that. You know, carrying one another's burdens. You know, part of that for us right now that we're really doing some retooling is even in our life groups creating rhythms of, of serving and then stepping back and rest so that we can do this in a life-giving way. What some people don't know is that about every two years, maybe every three years, we have to reinvent ourselves and our life groups. It's just we get into ruts about stuff and we have to rethink things and say, Lord, show us how to do this in a fresh way. And right now, James is doing that and we're excited about where we're going with life. That's why we're giving focus to this. This is who we are. This is where we're going. So the one another's having a context for doing that stuff is huge for life groups. Another reason, life groups are so important for spiritual gifts. Again, in the big meeting, not everybody can use their gift or, or something. And and so, but I will say a lot more can use gifts than what we think. If you would come ready, just say, God, give me, Nathan, Nathan might say this, God, give me a word for somebody, you know, and he gets some scripture and he doesn't even know who it's for, but it's like hot bread there in his pocket, you know, just hot bread manna from God, you know, and he walks up and he sees, you know, he sees Craig and, and, and looks at him and, and, and he goes, it's for him. And he just presents that to him and it's massively encouraging and all that, that's like green light. Green light go for the church on that kind of stuff that brings encouragement and builds up the body. But it, it can happen at a whole nother level using spiritual gifts in life group, right? It's a whole different level. Worship leaders get to worship. More prayers get to pray. More people given prophetic words get to do and practice that stuff where maybe they're not, it's not a Sunday morning thing, but they, they can lead in a life group. Does that make sense? So you, you spread this out and create way more opportunities for ministry, for growing up, for discipleship, and all those kinds of things. So that's the second one, spiritual gifts. The third one, life groups are so important for working through hard things. Can I get a witness out there? Working through hard things is like life. Husband-wife stuff. Parent-kids stuff. Job stuff. What are you thinking right now? Am I leaving something out? College stuff. Just, it doesn't get any harder than that. <laughs> That's great. That, that, it's, it's where you're at. It's all the stuff of life. You know, school. You know, just, I, I want to do something different. I want to move into a different season of my life. And it's like we work through those hard things together. And it's so it's trials and hard things and loss and joys and all those things. Working through hard things. Galatians 3.28 says that we are all one in Christ. And that means, uh, whether it's the big meeting like this, you may not realize it, but we affect each other. And certainly when we're in small group community together, we affect each other. So when somebody's going through a hard time, it affects the rest of the family. If, if, if Matthew, who was here in the first service up from Baylor, sorry, uh, we had some lively discussions last night at our house about football. Yeah, TCU and Baylor. And, uh, but uh, it's, 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 we're going to work through it. We'll get there. 
But, uh, but, but if, if somebody's stressed, then because we're a system, we're a family, it creates stress on the other members of that system and family. And the same thing is true at, life, at the life group level. When somebody's going through a hard time, other people want to respond and want to help and want to help alleviate that stress and that anxiety. And that's part of how we get to health as a church is as people are working through those, those important issues of life and praying for people where they're at. I'm struggling at school. I'm struggling at my workplace. I'm str- I need to be doing something different. I don't know what to do. And you get prayer. And it, it, there's stress in that. There's tension. There's anxiety. But you get help, and it helps the overall uh, you know, who we are as a people. So it's, it's a really uh, important thing. Last year, we had just multiplied our life group th- that we were leading and handed off. They had two different leaders. And uh, then one of the leaders got cancer. And uh, within, I want to say, six to six weeks or so, he had died. And I was just texting some this past week with, with uh, our sister, you know, and uh, who's down in Waco now. And, and, uh, Man, I mean, that was, a, that was a huge time for us as a life group. Both, both life groups actually really rallied around this situation. They were care given. Everybody was stepping up, using their gifts, loving, serving, bringing meals, all that kind of stuff. We even got help from other, other parts of the, the, the church. But what, we, what some, some of us may not realize is that kind of stuff is going on all the time in all different little pockets of the church. It's been interesting listening to Emily who's now, uh, uh, her and Aaron are leading with Michael, uh, Micah and Rachel. Uh, I was mixing your names, sorry. And uh, Micah and Rachel. And uh, just listening to her grow in pastoral care and concern for the people that are in their life group. You know, and so part of how we do life and do maturity and do care, it's that it's decentralized and, and we want to keep and hold on to this vision. It's important for us. You know, as a church as a, and as a people, um, I could go on there, but let me just keep moving. Um, so, so life groups are so important for discipleship. Uh, all these different pieces, one another, spiritual gifts, working through hard things, and discipleship. We don't do discipleship perfectly. I just want to go ahead and be on the record. Uh, for those of you thinking maybe we do or hoping that this was the church where discipleship was done perfectly, I want to just go ahead and say we, we, don't, we don't do discipleship perfectly. But I will say we're in the game. And we are committed to pursuing Jesus and to living this thing out. You know, it's a real, it really is a journey. And uh, the interesting thing about church, about discipleship, trying to figure this thing out, is that it's, it's, it's messy, Sometimes it, it, and you know why? Because it's got us involved in it, you know. And looking for the perfect situation, the perfect scenario. Even that's hard because I'll always end up being in that if I'm if I go to do it, you know. So it's just we're it's a journey. Discipleship is a journey, and we have we've had so many different versions of it down through the years. And uh, you know, I remember. Here's how it kind of started early on. We were uh, sitting around, a leadership team was sitting around, and, uh, and somebody said, well, hey, were you discipled? And we're like, no. Were you discipled? No. Anybody, anybody disciple you? And what we figured out, we went around the circle, nobody had the old gray-haired dude that met them outside their, their bedroom, you know, get on your knees and receive this blessing. Here we go. You know, destiny, future, power of God. You know, nobody had that. 
So we said, hey, you know what? We're going to just break the cycle and figure out how to do this. And so we started living an experimental life with the idea of discipleship being worked out in us and through us. And, and here we are. I mean, that's part, of, that's part of what we love about being able to live and do church like we get to do it, you know? So discipleship is just absolutely huge. James was just reminding me that we're about to have another wave of, of new help coming out on discipleship. And uh, it's going to be exciting. I've been, we've been processing what, what all is happening there, and that's going to be great. The last piece I want to mention is life groups are so important for mission. You know, how many of you guys get fired up about evangelism? Oh, seven. There actually are some in this. It was even quieter in the first service. You know, but, you know, just going in, going into uh, Starbucks and standing up on the chair. Hey, everybody. Hey, just want to get your attention. God loves you so much. He loves you. And care. This is making people nervous. I'm literally watching. Um, and so, so that's, that, that's intimidating to many people. And the more introverted, you know, the harder it is, right, to think about standing up on the chair. And, but the great news is life groups help us to be able to do uh, uh, mission, the mission together. And so we invite our friends. We have a cookout. You know, it seems real Real normal, you know, it's fun. It's fun to go eat hamburgers at somebody's house. Uh, but I remember one, you know, last year we were doing one and, and uh, I was walking past, I knew this, that somebody was going to be bringing her Muslim friend from Ethiopia. And uh, so she, he's there and I'm walking past somebody having a pretty serious conversation with him. And I'm just walking by, I did eavesdrop just a bit. But uh, and what I hear is, well, you know, there was an Ethiopian guy in the Bible. And uh, he actually got baptized. Philip shared the gospel, the good news with him about Jesus. And, and so that's, I just got that piece as I'm walking by. But, and maybe the person who brought him wasn't comfortable doing that, but together we all have different gifts and we all get to contribute and be a part of that whole process. So life groups are so important for mission. These groups would be reaching out and sharing. And the result of all this is change, it's growth, it's being conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, I've given a little bit of vision this morning. I hope it's making sense. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, Yancey told me in the, after the first service, good job for preaching the announcements. I, that was a new phrase, preaching the announcements. We are, it's kind of what we're doing. You know, it matters. This matters. It's who we are. And our goal is to encourage 100% like 100%? 100% involvement. We would love it if every single person who's connected with Christ Fellowship would be involved in our life groups. You know, we have all different kinds of things that we do. We've got some Bible studies. That one third of the women's Bible study are people that aren't connected to the church. And so we've got all these different relationships and friendships and things. But that's not the end in itself. The end isn't that people would be in a women's Bible study. The end is that people would move toward discipleship and toward life-giving, basic Christian community where they can be transformed into the image of Christ. Does that make sense? So all the things that we do, and as we've grown as a church, we've changed. We're doing more things, you know, but it's all, it's, it's trying to help people connect. These are connect points to help you, to help others, to help our friends connect with what's going on in terms of really, what really changes us and grows us up. We've got something for every season, youth, college, young adult, and me, uh, the older guys, right? And so, uh, 
And so, let me just say this. I'll, I'll finish with this. Living things, if we're alive in Jesus, living things grow. And, and growing things change. And changing things challenge us. And challenging things force us to trust God even more, which leads to more growth and life. And living things grow. And growing things challenge us. And challenging things change us. And change, change forces us to trust God. It's the upward helix of growth. And so, you know, you can look back behind you. We can and see, wow, we're not, we're not where we were. We're growing. We're changing. And, I, and we're going to keep pressing in with this basic value of who God's called us to be and experiencing church in the house, church in the temple court, the celebration, the cell group, the, the big meeting, the life group, you know, and just imagine, though, what would happen in our lives, in your life, in your family. I mean, we got to imagine 20-something years ago what it would look like to raise our kids in this kind of a context, you know, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, it's, it really is wonderful. I was just sitting here watching, you know, Ian and Cameron worship. You know, it's, it's a wonderful context for raising kids, you know, to know Jesus, to love Him, to love to worship, and all that, all that stuff. And we want to, you know, community, love, friendship, life. And imagine what would happen as this spreads from our families to our life groups, to our workplace, to the larger church, to the city, to the nation, and to the nations. And it's good, man. I mean, it's, it's the big thing getting worked out on the ground. And that's what God's doing.